Attorney General Merrick Garland went too far. He grabbed too much, and he gabbed too much. That was some of the reasoning behind U.S. District Judge Aileen Cannon's decision to appoint a special master to scrutinize the capacious, no-limit search and seizure at the home office of former President Donald Trump. On Garland's direct order, the FBI swiped everything except the carpets and chandelier. The volume of material they grabbed was truly stunning, as Judge Cannon recounted, quote, approximately 11,000 documents and 1,800 other items, end of quote. Agents didn't confine themselves to confiscating the disputed presidential papers. While ransacking the joint, they snatched Trump's personal effects, according to the judge, without evidentiary value. And that included medical documents, tax correspondence, accounting information, photographs, newspaper articles, even Donald Trump's clothing. They didn't take the dog, but I'm pretty sure the poor mutt suffered a full body frisk. Garland and his FBI confederates were indiscriminate. They vacuumed upwards of 500 pages of confidential material protected by the attorney-client privilege, the judge noted. That doesn't include copious documents covered by executive privilege. The AG claims his investigators haven't eyeballed any of them, only his own self-appointed taint team or filter team has read them. That's what Garland says. Right. Well, Judge Cannon wasn't buying it for one moment. In fact, no reasonable person should. Taint teams, you see, are themselves tainted because they work for the same boss. They have a shared interest. Moreover, both the DOJ and the FBI have a shameful history of slimy, dishonest tactics. Remember the Russia hoax? Who can forget it? So you can bet that the investigators know all about the contents of Donald Trump's confidential records. In fact, the judge put a lie to Garland's claim when she cited at least two incidents in which four investigators had already looked at Trump's privileged documents. Cannon also took notice of Garland's determined effort to convict the former president in the court of public opinion. She described the improper leaking of derogatory negative information to the Trump-hating media, blabbing the contents of the very documents the AG wants the court to conceal. The published stories, of course, were widely disseminated to slime the former president, just as Merrick Garland calculated. In court, DOJ lawyers tried to dismiss the prodigious leaks as, oh, merely unfortunate, Your Honor. Well, it was much more than that. It was deliberate. It was corrupt. Judge Cannon zeroed in on the potential harm, the irreparable injury, those are her words, associated with the Department of Justice's actions, leaving Trump under public, quote, threat of future prosecution. The judge correctly stated this is an indelible stain. It cannot be easily erased. She added, quote, the stigma associated with the subject seizure 
is in a league of its own. Of course, that was the underlying intent of Merrick Garland's raid on Trump's home and his malevolent leaks to the media damaged Joe Biden's political opponent while elevating the chances of Democrats in the upcoming election. Attorney, Fox News legal analyst, and two-time New York Times bestselling author. This is The Brief with Greg Jarrett. Billionaire investor Michael Pinto has a warning for you. Don't listen to anyone who tells you how bad the crash will be and when it exactly will happen. Nobody knows. But the CEO of Wells Fargo warns the worst is yet to come for Americans. Pay attention to the economic data. Inflation is at a 40-year high. And make no mistake about it, the recession is real, no matter how the White House tries to change the definition. That's why Bloomberg, Goldman Sachs, and Jim Cramer are all calling for gold to surge. Gold and silver have historically moved opposite the stock market and in the long term can preserve your purchasing power. Call 800-809-8500 and Lear Capital, the number one rated gold company, will present the same trusted options they have been giving successful investors since 1997. At Lear Capital, most IRA rollovers qualify for no IRA fees for up to five years. Their current incentive offers up to $15,000 in bonus silver for well-qualified new customers. A three-minute call can protect your portfolio with the power of real physical gold. Call 800-809-8500 today. Again, that's 800-809-8500 and tell them Greg Jarrett sent you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. It must be awfully embarrassing for Merrick Garland. He's a former federal judge who just got slapped down by a current federal judge. But, you know, that's what happens when you make unintelligible, dumb arguments in court. Take, for example, the AG's comical claim that Donald Trump did not have standing to challenge the FBI's search and seizure at his home. In a ruling, Judge Cannon delivered a kind of tutorial on the fundamentals of the law that's normally reserved for first-year law students still wet behind the ears. It's a legal given that Donald Trump had the right to contest what was taken from his home and seek its return. You know, that pesky Fourth Amendment. It's something the DOJ wants to ditch. Garland's other baseless claim was that Trump had no ownership interest in the property that was seized. Forget all of the personal items that were taken. Those are his. The former president also had a right to go to court to argue that he does, in fact, have a proprietary interest in presidential records as well as privileged documents. As the judge explained, hey, it's not up to you, Attorney General, to pronounce, quote, an ultimate judgment on the merits of the case, end of quote. Touche. 
The imperious Garland forgets he's no longer wearing a black robe up on the elevated bench ruling the roost. At every turn, the Attorney General has chosen an authoritarian or dictatorial approach. No compromises, no negotiations over any of the seized documents. Shut up and capitulate. How dare anyone question the almighty Attorney General Merrick Garland? He roundly rejected having an independent and neutral special master step in, you know, to be fair. This dogmatic attitude by Garland, this strident approach, disregards the need for, at a minimum, the appearance of fairness, said the judge. Quoting a higher court, Cannon wrote, Prosecutors have a responsibility not only to see that justice is done, but to also ensure that justice appears to be done. But enamored of his own power, Merrick Garland has forgotten that basic principle. The attorney general suffered his biggest blow when the court deflated his argument that Trump's executive privilege was somehow nullified when his successor, Joe Biden, waived it and then opened the door to the Mar-a-Lago raid. Judge Cannon accused Garland of overstating the law. She's right about that. She pointed to a Nixon-era case in which the U.S. Supreme Court left open the very question of executive privilege. Just this year, the high court suggested that the privilege does not simply vanish when a president departs office to allow a subsequent president to, quote, eviscerate the executive privilege of his predecessor would render that privilege meaningless. On Garland's authority, his taint team did not segregate any of the executive privileged material, a critical mistake. The AG assumed he was right about the law, but Judge Cannon schooled him on that, stating that he could be and in fact appears to be quite wrong about the law. Regardless, it's a question that will have to be resolved through litigation. Immediately, of course, Judge Cannon found herself the target of despicable personal attacks from the liberal media and pundits. MSNBC host Joy Reid launched her typical screed. It's not worth repeating because, well, it was all too predictable and obtuse. Her network's resident racist, Ellie Mistal, spewed his usual vapid bile, accusing Judge Cannon of obstruction and being corrupt. Well, who is this guy? Mistal is the same guy. He's a lawyer, mind you, who denounced our U.S. Constitution as, quote, trash. He said that white people who support the Second Amendment, quote, care about using their guns on black people and getting away with it, end of quote. His previous racist rant against Georgia Senate candidate Herschel Walker set a new record for vileness replete with the N-word. Mistal once bragged on air about his whiteness-free life during the pandemic. Law professor Jonathan Turley has a very revealing column on all of this. It's worth reading. You can find it on his website. It's guaranteed to turn your stomach. Turley also skewers Harvard law professor Lawrence Tribe, 
who was once a highly respected legal mind, but that mind has been lost to a terminal case of Trump derangement syndrome. Tribe likened Judge Cannon's special master order to the infamous Dred Scott decision upholding slavery. Good God, get a grip, Professor. Seek some counseling. Joining me now to talk about it is Alina Haba, who is one of the attorneys for President Trump, although I should point out she is an attorney relative to a different lawsuit and not involved in this particular case. But Alina, thanks for being with us. Um, thanks for give having us your, me. Give us your overall reaction uh, to uh, Judge Cannon's decision uh, calling for a special master and essentially putting a halt to the Department of Justice and Merrick Garland's investigation relative to the documents that the special master will review and segregate. What's your reaction to this? I'm I'm really happy and proud of the Trump team that handled this. I think their papers were strong. Their arguments were stronger than the papers even. And the DOJ had a very, as you called it, anemic response um, to their objection, which was concerning that they even objected to having a special master. As the world now knows, I feel like the country will never forget the two words special master, but it's somebody who comes in, they're impartial, they're neutral, they review the documents, they make sure that there's no funny business, for lack of better words. And um, the fact that the judge has granted our motion and said that the president um, is at risk for irreparable harm and to stop all investigations currently until this special master does what they need to do is a tremendous win for the Trump team. You know, I, I, I think a lot of people look at this and say, well, why is Merrick Garland opposing a special master? I mean, it's logical. It makes sense. It, at, as Judge Cannon pointed out, you know, it's the duty of, of prosecutors uh, to not only see that justice is done, but that it's done with the appearance of fairness. And that's the whole point of appointing a special master. And and she kept saying over and over during the hearings, what harm does this cause? And And the response by Garland's lawyers was really pretty empty, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. Uh, their response was, that two weeks had passed, uh, therefore this was too late. Um, that, I can tell you what the rebuttal was very quickly, uh, um, was that, look, we had actually asked for a special master the day after the raid to do it without judicial intervention. They opposed it. So then we had to draft this monstrous motion. So there was your two-week delay. So that was moot, and the judge said that that was completely irrelevant. Um, the other thing they tried to say, which is actually the most disturbing and shocking to me, is that the president lacks standing. So, yes, this is an investigation, but the fact that they tried to argue that a president had no standing to object to the way and manner that an overly broad warrant was brought into his private residence, into his son's room, into his wife's closet was completely absurd. Um, and the judge saw through it and saw through Garland's uh, arguments. And you know, I believe Jay Bratt was the one that that was arguing this in court that day. And um you know, it was to no avail. So I'm, I'm happy to see that perhaps there is some some civilized just judges left in this world, right? It, it is, to me, as a lawyer for 40 some odd years, 
it, it's such a silly argument for Merrick Garland to make that the target of a search and seizure, the FBI goes into his home and they grab everything, that the target of that, the victim of that, can't go to court and contest it. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that any first-year law student would know. I mean, my goodness, search and seizure under the Fourth Amendment entitles you to go to court and challenge it. Uh, and, And isn't that the kind of thing that I think Garland lost some credibility when he made such an absurd argument like that? Yeah, I think... That's a really big takeaway from all of this. And I know we've spoken about it um, extensively, you and I in particular. And I think that what we've seen between Garland's weak arguments and the leaks out of the Justice Department Mm -hmm. has shown in my mind a desperation to uh, quantify and qualify behavior that is unjustifiable. And to me, that is what is happening here. You know, when you do something and you're too far reaching, you might get that that judge when he signed this, in my opinion, that was way too broad. And then to say, oh, and now the former president has no rights. Well, in fact, the former president has more rights when it comes to classification of documents, declassifying documents than any person in this country. Um, So Never mind that. Put aside the fact that he's the president. Like you said, what if it was your home, Greg? What if it was my home? And by the way, I don't put it past him to come into my home. You know, this is the world we're living in where you actually have to be afraid if you're doing your job as an attorney, if you're responding, if you're cooperating, because at one point they could just get frustrated or need uh, political optics, for lack of better word, and come in raiding your home. I mean, it's it's absurd what we're seeing here. It's absurd. Yeah, I I agree. And, you know, I've said it before. Whenever there's a knock at the door, I automatically think it's the FBI. (laughs) And, you know, and it's it's like. How do you think I feel? (laughs) So I always have my wife answer the door (laughs) or my my daughters, you know, and I I I don't hide in the closet, but I I feel like I should. Um, Not that it would ever stop Merrick Garland and, and Christopher Ray and the well, FBI. Well, I mean, look look what they've done to so many. It's a frightening world we're living in, and right. it's go it's deteriorating really fast. And if we don't take back um, the House and the Senate in November, I I'm concerned. I am, and and I think that we've gone so far off the deep end right now with some of this behavior that we've left all all legal um, boundaries, you know, that we're supposed to work within. And there are times that I would love to go in and say, oh, I'm just going to go find any documents in a former president. You want to go take a former president's medical records, his, his, his um, passports. How is that relevant? They even said they had clothes, Greg, clothes. I know. But, but they had, they had to leak nuclear. It was a nuclear code. If you remember, that was the first leak. Right. (laughs) Totally. Totally untrue. And and the irony and hypocrisy was not lost on Judge Aileen Cannon because uh, she did criticize the leaks coming from Merrick Garland and, you know, his lawyers at the Department of Justice. And, you know, in in her order, (laughs) if you read between the lines, what she's really saying is, how can you leak so prodigiously? Uh, the contents of the documents you want to keep now secret and concealed. How about the picture? Uh, you know, it makes no sense. The picture. 
the picture. So it was it was okay for um, it wasn't okay to release information from the affidavit. And it wasn't secure. That's their entire basis, right? It wasn't secure being in a former president's gated, secret service protected, locked, double locked room. But hey, world, we're in a little pickle. Let me just release this staged picture. I mean, it's absurd. I know. The photograph of, you know, the documents that were strewn all over the floor, which the FBI did, but sort of left the indelible impression that, oh, this is the mess at Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago home right. office. Right. Uh, you know, and it, it, it was so prejudicial and gratuitous. It was utterly unnecessary because they, they described the documents uh, quite specifically uh, in, in their motion and affidavit. Right. And so there was no need to show the picture. But they, they knew that, that the media the liberal media that hates Donald Trump would, would just grab it and run with it with their hair on fire. Yes. And so and the, the intent was to prejudice the case against Donald Trump. Yes. And when he, imagine, and I'm sure you saw this, I was the liberal media, as you said, the left-wing media, the fake news media, as my client would say, I go on air, say, I have been in his office of course, I've been in his office. I'm his attorney. I would hope so. I've right. been in his office. I have never seen documents laying on the floor like that. And in his office, he has guests that come make appointments to see the former president. And somehow the left wing media took that, twisted it. And for 48 hours, there was some story like it was some major admission that in his office, there are not documents laying on the floor as it was in that picture, and that he has people come visit him in his office. I I can't even make sense of it. It's hilarious. You know, CNN invited me on. I almost took the bait because I was so outraged by the joke that they that they twisted. But don't do uh, it. Don't nah, it's a lion's it. den. I'm not silly, and I'm not here to help their ratings. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I. I traveled to Washington and interviewed the president in the Oval Office uh, in advance of my second book. And there was not a scrap of paper on his desk. His desk was absolutely clean. There was a telephone on his desk. But that's sort of, he's very meticulous. He is meticulous. Actually, um, the same. And I'm, I'm, I frequently visit with the former president for work related things or um, other issues. And I can tell you that it's, Never been something that's even crossed my mind. Um, You know, it's I never even noticed a paper that it it just doesn't happen. He's very meticulous. He's very orderly. And um, it's just the way he operates. Yeah. I mean, he he reads documents because I spoke to him about documents. Um, But, you know, he's not the kind of guy who would have been collecting documents and packing up his Oval Office uh, the day before, days before uh, he left office. No. And in fact, as I pointed out before, by law, that is a service that the uh, General Services Administration, right. the GSA, GSA does. Right. Which sort of invites the question, and parenthetically, I just don't think Trump's the kind of guy who was sitting down in Mar-a-Lago in the basement going through boxes <laughs> and boxes and reading, you know, through files. And so, I mean, you know, I know him a little bit. He's just not that kind of guy. Very yeah. much like Ronald Reagan, who was not a, a paper guy, 
uh, Jimmy Carter was, and that that tended to be part of his his problem. Um, you, you know, he he was too involved in details and everything. Reagan, on the other hand, would issue uh, you know directives. This is how I want things done, and it would be done. And I think Donald Trump struck me as the, the same sort of guy. But right. do, do we have any idea how these who directed? what goes into what boxes and what boxes get shipped down to Mar-a-Lago, what boxes go to the National Archives and so forth. Because I, I guarantee it wasn't Donald Trump who was standing there doing the direction no. and the packing. No. Um, obviously, you know, first let's start with the fact that how many years ago, this was a while ago, um, The I have no firsthand knowledge. My understanding from speaking um, to other people who, you know, and not related to this case, but in general related to to what actually happens because you have to make narrow requests for documents. Um, obviously, I have ongoing other litigation and I've advised people of what to do there. So what happens is the National Archives and Records Administration goes through the GSA, like you said, they pack them, they pack them, they move them. It's very quick. Right. Mm -hmm. There's a, you know, we get the election results, you find out, um, you know, and I'm not going to speak to my opinions on that, but he has to remove himself from office rather quickly, as does every president. And they pack him up during this time. Um, they ship the documents or whatever personal or declassified documents to his residence. And then if NARA goes through when they're doing the library, which is, is, and I, I, this is just my knowledge of it. They identify things that they want, that they think should come back for the national archives. There's also a process for the presidential library, what he wants, photos, things like that. Um, and he's allowed to have things that are personal from the white house. He declares them personal and then he has declassified items that he can declare and then they can look at them and they would have that classification marking. They wouldn't necessarily remove it. And that he goes back and forth with NARA as he was, uh, as his, not, he wasn't, I should be clear. His attorneys were, um, and they have exchanges as we've seen in exhibits, um, between NARA, um, and the council that's dealing with anything that was removed that they would like to have back or review. This was a very normal process for any president. They sent back, and I think that the judge did a very good job of outlining this. You know, she said they sent back 15 boxes um, in January of 2021, the product of those conversations, they had sent them back. And then they said, okay, is there anything else? And then they go back and they ask again. And then there was a subpoena. They responded to the subpoena. This was a very cooperative process. Um, and it's very typical, as we know, for all presidents. Right. So I really don't understand. And people have asked me this, but just at looking at, at the order, looking at the evidence that we've received, you know, knowing that there were attorneys handling this from the get go, right. I cannot understand how we got from there to a 30 person raid. I yeah. cannot. I can't. I, explain that. I, I agree. As I understand it, um, I mean, there's always been sort of a cooperative, almost collegial relationship between the National Archives and former presidents, and it, unless your last name is Donald Trump. So, for example, you know, Bill, Bill Clinton kept <laughs> materials that were allegedly uh, classified, and uh, the National Archives and the Department of Justice took the position he can, he can have whatever he wants. But now, because of it, it, it's Donald Trump, the opposite point of view uh, takes place. Instead of a 
all right, we're going to go to court, a civil enforcement proceeding. Um, you know, Merrick Garland hauls off, convenes a grand jury, uh, gains a an overly broad lawless warrant. It was ridiculously in violation of the Fourth Amendment and goes in and, and raids the joint and then vacuums up everything, as I've said, except for the chandeliers and the carpeting. Right. Uh, you know, I think the dog was molested. So, uh, <laughs> you know. Former it, President Trump does not have a dog. I can tell you he does not. He's not a dog guy. He's like, <laughs> I know. It's a joke. I don't have a dog either. Could you have Neither yeah. do I. <laughs> and my, my daughters will never let me hear the end of it. Um, but at, at any rate, uh, the double standard is so glaring here, isn't it? And I think that's yeah. what sort of raises the hackles of so many Americans when they look at this and they say, wait a minute. I mean, not only past presidents have simply worked this out with the National Archives, but now you've got Merrick Garland accusing the president of all kinds of uh, crimes. Right. Completely ignoring that Hillary Clinton uh, had tons of classified uh, material on her own personal unsecured server housed in her home. Right. Uh, and, and yet, you know, hey, that's, that's okay. No problem. But when Donald Trump does it, you know, it's a crime. Yeah. And you're bringing up a really good point. This for every other president, for every other employee of the federal government that has ever been in hot water without getting into those details, they they get they get special immunities and privileges where it's a cooperative as long as, you know, we'll send you a request, you send it back. Oh, maybe you didn't know. Maybe you did. He from my understanding is this was declassified. Even if it, let's say hypothetically it wasn't, or there was a, a non-declassified document, you're right. History has proven that this has happened and they were treated incredibly differently. And the fact that they took something that is covered by the Presidential Records Act, and then they said, we're going to, we're going to throw in, um, title 18, three sections, um, you know, 793, 1519 and 2701. We're going to call this espionage. We're going to come in hot with all kinds of things. And NARA is going to defer to Biden. Oh, Biden says, we're not going to make a comment. I'll let you do what you want. Inaction is still action when you're the president of the United States. What Joe right. Biden did was inaction, but was action. He said, I defer to you, a.k.a. keep me out of it, but go at it. He could have stopped this from going to where it was. Then they bring these crazy, uh, you know, sections, criminal state code so that they can try and get him because he's Donald Trump on something that every other president has never had an issue with. Right. And has done. Right. And, you know, under those statutes, you know, I think what legal commentators seem to be ignoring is they all require um, specific intent. Right. It, it has to be the actions of Donald Trump uh, in, you know, breaking the law have to be uh, knowing and willful and deliberate and intentional. Right. Well, if he's not going through the documents and doesn't really know what's in there, how can you demonstrate intent? You can't. Yeah. And we've heard people say that we're in the White House. Um, they've been on air and, and ones with firsthand knowledge have said these were declassified. So if those individuals even thought they were declassified, and I, I do still believe that they are from what I understand, 
how can he have intent to take something he didn't even pack? He didn't, he was under the impression it was declassified. This is a criminal investigation. You have to have intent. You can't say you did something you didn't know you did. They're, they're not under these statutes, not under right. these statutes. You have to have that. They're going to have, a, you know, they really reached far and hard on this one. My guess is because it's September 7th and, uh, you know, unfortunately we have insane inflation. Biden's buying votes with <laughs> student loan debt checks. You know, our country's upside down. So yeah. that's I, I think it's, it, it's abundantly clear, I think, to a lot of people that the underlying intent of Merrick Garland's raid on Trump's home and, and his malevolent leaks it's all to damage Joe Biden's political opponent, Donald Trump, and elevating the chances of Democrats in the upcoming election. That's I mean, right. I, you know, it's it's obvious right. as can be, isn't it? That's right. I, I agree with you. I also, you know, this has been going on, as we've seen in that order, for a very long time. The fact that they were there in June, they sat on their hands, and then they go in front of Reinhardt, who was recused from my case a month prior. Right. It's absurd. The whole thing is very, very concerning. I can't say it enough. It's frightening. And can you explain why Ryan Hart recused himself? Was it because he was biased against Donald Trump, biased in favor of Hillary Clinton, or both? Well, let me give you some color to that. We have no color to that, which is... (laughs) Even ridiculous. We don't know why he recused. We've had five judges, magistrate judges, recuse on the Hillary Clinton case. Now, there are a tremendous amount of defendants in that case. As you know, we're suing Comey. We're suing basically all the people involved with the Russia hoax. Schiff, uh, you know, right now we're we're in a, a procedural argument with the United States regarding if they're covered under their employment for the United States and DOJ to step in for them, which is very typical. We've got you know, obviously the Hillary campaign, we've got Hillary Clinton herself. This case has so many players in it that I can't be sure why he recused himself. But what I can tell you is when you have one plaintiff, Donald John Trump, and you have a judge that can't handle that case, recuses immediately without my asking for a recusal. And then we have evidence that he spoke publicly on social media about his disdain for the former president. Right. I can only imagine that he didn't see himself suited for that, but then he thought it okay to go ahead and sign a overreaching warrant to raid his home. I mean, it, it's inconsistent. Yeah, and it, it demands disqualification. Right. Uh, he, you know, his comments about the former president on social media, they're out there, they're a matter of record, public record. Right. Um, and that uh, disqualification or recusal is mandatory un- under the federal uh, rules. And right. yet he he seems to have ignored them. Um, I I, I want to while you're since you're involved in the Hillary Clinton case, Trump mm-hmm. versus Clinton. Yeah. Um, what do you make of her most recent tweets that I never had any classified nice. documents? I, I I mean, all you have to do is pull up on YouTube. Yeah. James Comey's January, uh, July 5th, 2016 public press conference right. in which he said among the thousands of government documents that she had, many were classified. And in particular, there were 110 uh, documents that were sent or received by her as 
classified, including top secret uh, documents. And yet she tweets out just yesterday, I never had any classified documents. I mean, it's just a glaring lie. It's, it's a glaring lie. I mean, the, the other issue is, look, maybe she should contact Anthony Weiner and ask him. <laughs> I mean, How many I, classified I'm, documents? I'm not that old, but I'm not, I'm not young enough to not remember that story. Listen, she obviously, J, then James Comey is wrong. James Comey, the same James Comey that assisted in the Russia hoax for the Clinton campaign, that James Comey was wrong when he said that you had classified documents. That's my response to her. I want her to take that up with, with James Comey, which I'm sure she won't because James Comey himself produced notes that he wasn't supposed to do right. um, and and has broken that same rule. Um, it, it's come on, come on, Hillary, you're not running. Stop, you know, she's always interjecting. Um, but well, you know, she did measure the drapes in the Oval Office. I think there's, you know, a part of her that hopes that she'll she'll be drafted as the savior of the party, and you know, yeah. step forward at the Democratic convention, and and you know, I will save you. Uh, you know, I mean, I think she still has that dream. And when pointed out to her Comey's remarks about the 110 top secret classified dialogue, well, Comey later. Um, said he was wrong about that. I, I, I just want to say for the record, having written two books on this, that too is a lie. Comey never retracted his claim that she had all of these top secret classified documents. But but there you have Hillary Clinton. Well, we could ask the FBI since they keep leaking things. Maybe they could let us know if that ever happened. <laughs> I mean, I, I never knew what so many, you know, it's sad when they're coming forward, like the whistleblowers themselves that are coming forward because they feel like they can't get heard or they're doing the wrong thing, I really commend them. And I know that the former president commends anybody who's in a situation and comes forward um, as a government official and says that I'm being, you know, I'm seeing injustice and it can't happen. And it, it, right. it shouldn't happen no matter who the president is. All right. Alina Haba, always fun talking to you. Always interesting. And thank you for taking the time. Alina Haba, one of the attorneys for President uh, Donald Trump. Thanks. And that's The Brief. I'm Greg Jarrett. Thanks for listening.